Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Isaiah, excuse me, that's where I was going to be, uh, but maybe we'll be there tomorrow. Psalm 62, and so you pray the Lord will just give me wisdom and help me here. I uh, did not really prepare to preach this, but again, I want to just mind the Lord tonight. Psalm 62, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Psalm 62, in verse number 1, the Bible says this, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. David goes on to say, How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Uh, ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be, as a tottering fence. And uh, he goes on to say that they only consult to cast him down uh, from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him." He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And then our text verse in verses 7 and 8. In God is my salvation, my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. And here it is, verse 8. Trust in Him at all times, you people. And pour out your heart before the Lord. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for your presence. I thank you for your people being here tonight. But more than I'm thankful that your people are here, I'm thankful that your presence is here. And Lord, because without you, we can do nothing. Lord, it don't matter who stands behind this sacred desk tonight. It don't matter how loud or how quiet they are, how eloquent or how simple they are. Lord, without the Spirit of God, all is vain. And I pray tonight that you would help us. I pray that you'd fill, Lord, and anoint me tonight with the Holy Ghost. I want to follow your leadership, and I pray that you'd use the Word of God to minister to somebody's heart tonight. Lord, I know that we cannot manufacture what we need, but I'm thankful that in this day, Lord, in this hour, you still have available what we need as your people. And I pray that you'd give it tonight to someone that's longing to hear from heaven. I pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen them And Lord, I pray when it's all said and done, God, that You'd be glorified because that's all that matters is that You get the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Tonight, the Lord began to speak to my heart from this passage some time ago. And as I began to meditate on what David said, I want you to notice some things by way of introduction tonight. Uh, The phrase David makes in verse 8, he says, Trust in Him that... All times. I want you to underscore that phrase if you're in the habit of marking your Bible tonight. I want you to consider some things about trust as we get started. I want you to consider the testing of our trust. You know, there's always a risk involved 
when we place our trust in someone or in something. Because the reality of it is that could be, uh, you know, th- th- that very faith that we place in the thing that we're trusting could fail us. I mean, this wall looks pretty sturdy, and uh, I'm a growing healthy boy, but you know what? I feel pretty good it's going to hold me. I can walk across it without any fear of it collapsing, but you know, there, are, there have been things that I put my faith in that have not went well. Man, I'm sorry, Micah. You went with me the last time I told this story. And I'm sorry that you have to be here to hear it. But, uh, you know, there's times you put faith in teenagers and it don't go good, right? And, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass my son, but uh, there's been times he's failed me tremendously, and I've trusted in him. Uh, one time, now we pick up our groceries. Thank God for Walmart pickup. I mean, outside of salvation, that's about the best next... The next best thing ever happened in my life, besides getting married as well and having children, you son, I love you, but uh, grocery pickup's wonderful because you don't walk in there and look around, you just pull up, they know you're there, you pick it up, you go home. And I said, son, we need you to go get the groceries. That's your, now your job. I entrusted him with that. We're, it's only about 10 minutes from us. About an hour and a half later, I said, son, where are you? You know, have you died? And well, what he did was, on, on the way home, he got the wrong way on the interstate, and it's seven miles to the next exit. And so he turned around, and uh, on the way home, he missed the exit again, and he's out in the middle of nowhere, and finally calls his dad, I don't know where I am, grocery. I, listen, I was worried because the ice cream was melting. Somebody say amen. I mean, you know, I was worried about him, but that chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream was uh, withering in that car, and I said, son, you need to get home now. And uh, so an hour and a half later, I have a tank of gas later, he made it home with the groceries, and uh, since then, he's got a little better, so I, I appreciate him. I'm sure he'll talk to me about that tonight in the hotel, but uh, there's things that we put our trust in that sometimes that fail us, and so there is the, there's the testing of our trust. But let me say this to you tonight. There's also the transfer of our trust. You know, when we begin to consider who or where we can put our trust, that where we will not be disappointed in this life, sometimes it's difficult. Because... There have been people, no doubt, under the sound of my voice tonight, you've trusted somebody that has let you down. Whether it be a spouse, whether it be a preacher, whether it be you know somebody that's close to you, you've been disappointed. But tonight, I'm thankful that there's one in whom I can put my trust that will never fail. Trust in Him, David said. That's the transfer of His trust. He said, I'll put my trust in Him. Look at verse 7 of our text tonight. Uh, the Bible says this, in God is my salvation. David said to conclude this, he said, my strength and my refuge is in God. And tonight, the transfer of our trust, the safest place we can put our trust is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know I'm preaching to people that know that tonight, but sometimes it's just good to be reminded who we can trust and when we can trust Him. So the transfer of our trust, but tonight... The thought that kind of captivates me is the timing of our trust, and that's this. David said, trust in Him. Look at the verse in verse 8. Say it with me. At all times. The reality of it's this. In times of difficulty is when it's toughest to trust God. Is when your faith is put to the test. When your feet are put to the fire. When circumstances loom over your life like dark, ominous clouds, and you don't know what will be of tomorrow, you don't know the outcome of your circumstance, that is when it is most difficult for us to trust in Him at all times. 
but I'm going to tell you tonight, and I want to admonish you as David did, that you can trust God. In my Bible, and not in my preaching Bible, but in another Bible that I have at home, as I read these words some time ago, I simply etched these four words outside of my Bible in the margin of it, and those four words were these as the choir sang it tonight. The words were, I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. Now, I don't know that uh, what the Lord wanted to do here tonight. I didn't, again, intend to preach this, but as I looked through my notes and the choir started their next song, I kind of punched my son. I said, hey, look at this. He just kind of looked at me like that. I said, I know. Maybe God's trying to tell me something tonight. But I want you to understand that you can trust Jesus. Tonight, as you look at your Bible out beside that phrase, if you've struggled, and listen, in your walk and in your faith, you ought to write those words down. I can trust Jesus. And let that be a reminder tonight that He'll never fail. I want you to take your Bible go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. In the Old Testament, there's a story in relationship to our text that I want you to see tonight. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter number 16, and it's the story of Asa in the Old Testament. A great Bible character that I love to read of, and I want us to see some things about Asa that I hope will teach us something from the passage that we've looked at here in Psalm 62, trust in Him at all times. Second Chronicles 16, look at verse number 1 if, you, if you're there. If you're there, say amen. Amen, some of you are, good. In the 6th and 30th year, the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah. Watch what's developing now. And he built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to the king, uh, uh, to Asa, king of Judah. So he did this in spite. He did this as a way to get at Asa. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasuries of the house of the Lord, out of the king's house, and sent it to Benadad, the king of Syria, that dwelt Damascus, saying, There's a league between me and thee, and there was between uh, my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go and break thy league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And the Bible says that Benadad hearkened unto him. And I want you to notice in verse 5, and it came to pass when Basha heard it, he left off building of Ramah, and he let the work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah and carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof with Basha, uh, wherewith Basha was, uh, was building. And he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. Now watch this. And at the time, at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, his prophet shows up. Just when Asa thinks he's done everything just right, the man of God shows up. He said, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. He said, Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. But He goes on to say, Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. I want you to notice some things tonight about Asa and we'll conclude the service. But I, look, don't miss what God may want to say to you tonight. Don't take for granted that the Spirit of God would show up 
And the choir would just accidentally sing what the Lord was nudging my heart about. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, don't believe it then. But I just believe God is divinely orchestrating. But what happens, I believe people started praying before tonight's service, Brother Joe. He came up and talked to me. He said, I've been praying for six weeks. I believe that God's people have been asking Him to do something. And tonight, if we're not attuned to the Spirit of God, we may miss what He wants to say to us. Leonard Ravenhill said this one time. He said, the reason we don't have revival is because we're content to live without it. And the honest to God truth is, as Brother Tim so eloquently said, sometimes our hearts are just hard and we're just here because everybody else is. We're here because there's a meeting and that's about it. But God may want to do something deeper and richer in your heart tonight to encourage you. And so, uh, look here with me if you would. Uh, first of all tonight, I want you to consider this about Asa. I want you to consider a successful transition. Now, in Asa's life, Rehoboam, as we know, his grandpa, who was the first king, and you know Rehoboam, was a mess. He come in after Solomon and succeeded him, and Rehoboam paid no attention to the advice of those that were wise around him. Rehoboam decided to take matters into his own hands and do things in his own way. Let this be a sidebar lesson tonight. That never goes well. Anytime you take matters into your hand and you deal with them in the way that you think is best, it's a foolish way to live. It's a foolish way to parent. It's a foolish way, listen, to uh, lead. It's a foolish way to live. And Rehoboam soon found that out. Well, his son Abijam succeeded him. And the Bible says of Abijam in 1 Kings 15, 3, and he walked in the sins of his father, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. And so the next king that assumed the throne was worse than his daddy. And then the third in line was King Asa. Now, I want you to watch something here. Asa steps in to the lineage of a grandpa that did what he wanted to do in his own eyes, and then a father that felt like he could do what he wanted to do in his own eyes. But Asa looked at that and realized something. It didn't go well for them, and so he decided, I'm going to follow the Lord and trust His will and trust His way, and he broke the mold. You know, we pick up bus kids in half for years. And some people think this, that because my grandpa was a drunk and that my daddy was a dope addict, that I'm just going to follow that same lifestyle. But you know what? That don't have to be the case. <laughs> I'm thankful we got some people sitting in church tonight that did not follow, listen, the examples set in their household. You say, well, if my circumstances were just better, I'm going to tell you this, Adam and Eve were perfect and they messed up. You can choose what you want to do. And Asa chose to trust God and that his ways were higher and better. And God gave him a peaceful transition. In 2 Chronicles 14, God gives peace in his reign. Minimal resistance. I want you to look at some, look, look, look at chapter 14, if you would, of 2 Chronicles. Just flip the page there and look at verse number two. Chapter 14 and verse number two in the Bible says, and Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. I want you to consider tonight his priority. It was not to please people. It was to please the Lord. Can I help you tonight? I'm not here to please you. Brother Tim was talking, I thought, why didn't we ask him to preach? How dumb. I thought, why am I here, Caleb? You know, is what I was thinking. I mean, Brother Andrew and all these... Brother Andrew drove a lot almost further than I did to get here. But you know what? I'm not here to please you tonight. I'm here to please the Lord. 
And that's what his priority was. And some people are so fixated on pleasing everybody around them, you know, their circle of influence, that they don't even mind to look up and say, God, what would thou have me to do? His pri- hey, look, can I, what's your priority tonight? Is it to please the Lord? Or just everybody else? Because I'm going to tell you this, if you try to please everybody, then you please nobody. His priority. Well, consider this tonight. Well, there is some preaching in this. You thought it was all going to be encouragement. His purging. In chapter 14, verses 3 and 5, here's what the Bible says. He took away. I love this phrase. He took away. In uh, several times, it mentions in chapter 14 that he took away. In chapter 15, verse 8, the Bible says, And when Asa heard these words, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin. Chapter 15, verse 16, the Bible says, And concerning Micah, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being queen because she made an idol in a grove and Asa cut down her idol, stamped it, (coughs) burned it at the brook Kedron. I don't understand if you really realize what we just read there. Here's the man that stood up to his mama. I mean, that's look, that's not easy. I mean, some of you, your moms, uh, that wouldn't go well. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, some of you tried to do that to your mom. My mom called uh, me and Mike on the way down here, and she's talking to us, and she's, my mom's wild, man. If, if I walked up and tried to say those things to her, hey, uh, you know what, you're out. And you're idle, we're going to burn it to the ground and stomp on it. And then you're going to leave. I'm just going to tell you that would not go well. Okay, let me just give you a little bit of advice here. Okay, make sure, you know, Paul said one time, I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Friends, you better make sure you have the Spirit of God if you do that. Because if not, you'll find out real quick if it was of the Lord. Because <laughs> you might get smoked and stamped and stoned to the ground if you pull one of those. But here's what I want to tell you. He was more concerned with righteousness than he was pleasing those around him. And sometimes a man has to stand against his own family in order to honor God. And man, that's difficult. It's difficult. We support missionaries that are missionaries to Muslim countries that if they step away from their faith and trust Christ, they lose everything. They have to turn away from their entire family but they do so in order to please God. And here's what I want to tell you. Revival always involves the removing of sin. And if we have real revival, then God's going to get down in there and the Holy Ghost, listen, is going to go through the rooms in your house and He wants to check every door. What's in here? I haven't been to this church yet. Somebody's smoking back there. Uh, Praise the Lord. But you know what God wants to do? The honest to God truth. The Lord wants to, hey, the Lord wants to get in your house. There's people that come to our house, and the Lord's blessed us with a nice home, but we keep them upstairs. You know why? Because downstairs, it looks like the hoarder show has come in and just laid everything. I mean, I got stuff, unbelievable amounts of stuff in my basement. I don't know why we've acquired it from People that just, you know, think, hey, you know, you guys look like a good facility. We're, we're a storage facility. My basement is. That's what folks think. And my mom's moved a bunch of her stuff in there, so it's embarrassing. I'm like, no, you can't go in there. Well, sometimes I'll lock the door. 
you, I, come on, don't look at me like that. Yo, you know y'all do the same thing. Oh yeah, praise the Lord. We dusted, looked up here, and you threw a thousand things in that room over there. What's the, I'm just curious, what's in this door? Lord of mercy. Okay, that goes, that goes to the upper room right there. But you know, the truth is this. Here's what God wants to do. God wants to get in your life, and He wants to go in every door. Because the truth is sometimes as Christians, we'll make, hey, listen, we'll, set, we'll stage, if you will, as people stage houses sometimes. It's called a spec house. And they'll come in, and it just looks perfect. But you know, sometimes it's what's hidden in the attic. It's what's hidden in the basement that you just don't want them to see. That's where God wants to go. He wants to clean that garbage out so He can make you better for His glory. Some of you tonight, hey, some of you need, need to give that key to God. Let Him get in there and begin to do a work in your life. Some of you struggle with the same sins over and over again because you've never let God get in that door and do a work. And what could happen here in this service tonight, if you'll let God get there and purify you, it could do a work in your life beyond what you could ever imagine. There was the purging. There was a potential. The Bible says that He renewed the altar of the Lord in chapter 15. I'm not going to preach all of it. But in chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, He renews the altar of the Lord. And the Bible says this, And He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh, out of Simeon, for they fell to Him out of Israel in abundance. Watch this. When they saw that the Lord his God was with Him. They said, hey man, God's with that guy. And if God's with him, that's where I want to be. You know what, some of you are here, and you know what you've seen? You've seen that God is with this pastor, and you thought, you know what, And I'm just speaking to this church specifically, and you thought, man, if God's with him, that's where I want to be. And that's me tonight. I want to be where God is. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not man worship. It's following man as he follows God. And that's what they seen in Asa, a man that followed God. There was a successful transition, but notice tonight, there was a supernatural trust. In 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 9, the Bible says, And there came out against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, with a, a host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots. You say, how much is that? It's a lot, okay? Because I never was good at math. But a thousand thousand is a lot of people. And they came unto Marisha. And the Bible says this, in verse 11, Asa is dealing with a very real threat. Look at your Bibles, verse 11. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. Watch this. And he said, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. And Asa said this, help us, O Lord our God. I love this next phrase. He said, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. Asa said, Lord, we're just going to rest on you. God, we're going to rest on you. Because we don't know what else to do. Hey, have you ever been in a place where all you could do is just fall on Him and on His grace and say, Lord, we're going to rest on you because we don't have any strength of our own. And God showed up, listen, miraculously and did a work in Asa's behalf because He went in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that they carried away much spoil, but I hasten tonight. Consider thirdly, a scary tendency. Back in chapter 16, if you have your Bibles open still, chapter 16, and I, I think oh, we're eating later, so just uh, there are good things to come. Well, at least I am. I don't know about y'all. I'm sorry. If you're not invited, I apologize about that. There's some good stuff in that room back there. And so I'd like to welcome you to the, uh, the, the reception for the outcast back there. 
will be happening after church if you're not invited. So in 2 Corinthians 16, Basha, this king of Israel, builds a city, and he basically does it to do this, to stop his people from going to where Asa is to worship. So it's to thwart the efforts of what Asa is trying to do, and it's so frustrating to him. And so here is this scary tendency you see in Asa's life because his track record in chapter 14 and 15 is this. It's to trust God. And he's trusted God in every part, in every section, but now out of the blue, all of a sudden, he fails to trust the Lord. It's like, man, he's had a great start, but he stumbles along the way. In chapter 16, verse 1, as we read it, Asa's dealing with this threat. And so you know what he does? The Bible says this in verse 2, that he begins to bring the treasures out of the house of the Lord. And you say, why does he do that? He's motivated by fear. Because here's what happens. When, listen, when, when things begin to fall apart, we do things sometimes that are motivated by our fear. And if fear is what's driving you, then you'll make some critical errors in your life. And that's what Asa, what we see is begin to unfold here. And then he makes another mistake. He calls on Benadad or Ben-Hadad, however you pronounce it, the king of Syria, for help. If you know anything about your Bible, historically, Syria has been the enemy of God. They've been the enemies of God. And now, here Asa is yoking up with the enemies of God in order to try to put down a threat over here in his life. He hold hands with the enemy to destroy another enemy. Because he thought, man, this just feels like the way we ought to do it. And the truth is, the tendency of fear is to cause you to rely on your own abilities rather than trust in the Lord. You've got to be so careful about that. Hey, some of you have been in the faith a lot longer than I have, but I've been in it long enough to learn this, that without Him I can do nothing. Nothing. If we're not careful, we're living in such a desensitized age in an age where you're promoted to men, you can do it, you can do it, and sometimes we think we can do it without Him. And you can't. Hey, tonight, listen, my heart, my heart's heavy. I, I love you, but I want to tell you, that it's a tendency of a good man here that trusted God and seen Him do wonderful things, but he gets in the middle of a threatened situation. All of a sudden, he thinks, well, what are we going to do? And he takes matters into his own hand. Trust in God should not be a last resort. It ought to be a first response in our life. And you say, well, as long as it works out, and by the way, it looked like it worked out. In chapter 16, the Bible says that it came to pass that, that, they, uh, that they left off the building of Ramah and let the work cease, and Asa the king took all Judah and carried away the stones, so it looked like it worked out. But can I just help you tonight? The end don't justify the means. Just because something worked out, the way you does, listen, the, the, the way that, that you did that thing, the way you do things that matter life. I mean, you know, in, in life, they matter. And I'm up here speaking in tongues. I'm sorry, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State tonight. And I felt just charismatic, so I'm up here speaking in tongues. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry, Andrew. But uh, he's mad about it too. But uh, he's trusting God. He wasn't worried about the NCAA tournament. Amen? Praise God. And so if you're from Tennessee too, I, I'm having a rough night. Altar should be full in a little bit for Ohio and Tennessee. It's going to be rough. We won't even talk about Kentucky. Amen. They did not lose. So, but that's all right. And I don't care if Carolina does, so it don't matter to me. Uh, I digress. Back to the message. <laughs> that's what happens when you say stupid stuff. You try and divert attention. That's what that was. That was a diversion. 
You forgot what I even said, so that's good. Let's move on. The conclusion was this. that just because, just because he did something and it worked out, because he did it in his own strength, God was disappointed. I want you to watch what happens. Notice tonight, fourthly, we see tonight, and I hope you're paying attention, there's a successful transition. There's a supernatural trust. God's working, and all of a sudden, in Asa, there's this scary tendency of, man, I'm going to take matters into my own hands but then you see the man of God show up. I want you to notice fourthly tonight, there's a stirring truth. A stirring truth. Look with, look with me, if you will, in verse number 7. The preacher shows up. And he begins to rehearse some things in the ears of the king. And the Bible says that he told him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God. Look at that. He said, Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hands. You know, he begins to tell him some things the prophet Hananiah does. Notice some truths he rehearsed to the king. First of all, he rehearsed some truths about the enemies of the Lord. He said that in verse 7. He said, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. You know, sometimes if we do things in our own strength and they turn out pretty good, we think, man, maybe I don't need God. But here's the reality. He limited the victory that he could have had if he'd allow the Lord to step in and do something. And sometimes we walk around thinking, man, we're doing a good job. And really, because it's in our own strength, we're limiting what God wanted to do. Hey, the fact that we could have experienced a fuller victory in our life, and it's kind of like when Elisha told that guy to take the arrow and he only smoked the ground thrice, and he said, you're a fool, because you could have had more victory. And sometimes in life, things go pretty well, and we think, well, we got this figured out. No, friends, you don't. If you do it absent of His help, we've limited the victory we could have had. I want you to consider this. Not only He rehearses truth about the enemies of the Lord, but look at this in verse 8. He rehearses truth about the efforts of the Lord. He said, man, He said, hey, king, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, He delivered them into thy hand. He reminded him of this truth that, hey, Asa, God worked on your behalf in the past. And here's what He wanted to tell him. That the same God that did that for you back then is the same God that can do that for you today. I, I want to tell you something. As you read in the Old Testament, don't get discouraged. Because the same God that did that is the same God we're serving today. You say, well, I've never seen him part the water. I've never seen him, you know, step into the fire. I'm going to tell you what, he's still the same God and can do greater things today than he ever could. The efforts of God. Hey, don't doubt that God can do what you need. Don't doubt him in this hour. There's no need to doubt him now. Sometimes we get so burdened. Man, I was, I've been, and I told Mike on the way over here. I've told my wife this week, sometimes life and ministry and frustrations, and I'm not a pastor, but I've been working as an assistant pastor for almost some 19 years at the church, and I'm going to tell you, there are burdens sometimes that, that you bear in this life, and maybe if you're not part of ministry, you still bear burdens as, you know, as a mom or a dad or, a, 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 listen, a, a laborer somewhere. And, well, there's been some things that have just compounded last week, and I have been, I'm going to be honest, I've just been stressed out. And I have uh, not handled it all the right way internally. I try and put on a really good face, but sometimes on the inside I'm an absolute train wreck. I'm like a bus that hit up, you know, a minivan. Man, it's just, <laughs> just 
crushed on the inside. It's awful. And I, I told my wife, I said, I'm just a mess. And here's what's going on. And here's what I'm worried about. And just internally struggling. And uh, we sat down last night and there's some projects I've been put in charge of. And I started having her look at some figures. And um, well, I just, I blew it. I messed up in, in some things mathematically. I told you I wouldn't get math. And so uh, I should let her look at it. We started looking and there's some things that are coming, uh, coming due that, that I've got to meet a certain, meet a certain requirement for. And she started looking at it and she said, no, 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 you're off. And when we started figuring, I was off by several thousand dollars. And that's not good. You know, I don't, uh, I don't have a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills I can just go sell. And I don't have, you know, a credit card we can just go swipe. And so I started, Mason, I was, Man, I was perplexed, and I just, I was upset. And she said, I, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And we sat there just quietly on the couch. I didn't look at her. She didn't look at me. I could tell what, I could feel what she was thinking. It wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't good. She said, well, we can just pay for it, I guess. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. I was like, you, we're not doing that. <laughs> and uh, we, we just kind of had a conversation, a, a Christian discussion, not a fight, just a Christian discussion we was having on the couch. And I thought, God, what in the world is going to, you know, what's going to happen? And you know what God did? <laughs> listen, the Lord is so wonderful. Sometimes in, in our stupidity and in our, listen, in our faithlessness, God already has a plan. And this morning, the, the Lord just kind of prompted me to, to send one text out and, uh, you know, just kind of reached out for somebody that had been a blessing to this project in the past. And I reached out there and thought, God, I'm just going to trust you here. And you know, I was in the middle of the, of the, uh, of the house getting dressed, ready to leave for this trip. And Brother Andrew, I got a text message back, man. And when I read that text, I read it and then I reread it and then I reread it. You know what God had done? God had three times as much as I needed met that need over and above what I could imagine. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. I mean, I don't do this. I just broke down crying in the bathroom, Jesse. I was walking around. I thought, I don't care if Micah comes in. I don't care if Miranda comes in. I just said, God, you are such a good God. I was walking around looking at my phone. I said, Lord, I'm such an idiot sometimes, and I don't trust you like I should. Brother Till, it was just God saying, hey, man, I got you. Hey, the same God that I was is I am today, and I can take care of your needs. And it blessed me this morning to know that it was a reminder from God that He's still the same. And whatever you're worried about tonight, God can step in. He can do that for you. I'm going to tell you, I was struggling in my heart, and the Lord showed me in a powerful way that He is still the same. I want you to look tonight in verse number 9. In verse 9 of chapter 16, He rehearses something else as we're concluding. I want you to notice this. Notice the message He gives to the king about the eyes of the Lord. Not only his efforts, but his eyes. And he said this. He said, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, and they run to and fro. They run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Consider this. Consider the perception. He said, he said king, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. There's nothing that escapes his view. There's nothing that he cannot see. You know, who was it? Hagar? It was cast out, and she was tore down, and she cried out to God, and the Lord answered. You know what she said? She said, Thou God, seest me. Can I say something to you tonight? 
God sees you right where you're at. Hey, if that don't encourage you tonight, then something's wrong. God sees you just where you're at tonight. In your brokenness, in your faithlessness, in your sin, in exactly the condition you're in, God sees you in that, His perception. But then I want you to notice this. I believe the prophet gave an urging about the purpose. He said, here's the reason His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He said, it's so He can show Himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. Here's the reason tonight David said, trust in Him at all times. And the prophet Hananiah said, hey, if the eyes of the Lord are looking for something. He said, God's looking to show Himself strong on the behalf of those who put their trust in Him. On the behalf of those, listen, whose heart is perfect toward Him. And tonight, can I say something to you? That God's purpose in our church is to show Himself strong on our behalf. You know, for some of you, you think the foundations of the faith have weakened in 2020 and in the beginning of 2021, but they couldn't be stronger. And I tell you what God wants to do. God is looking to show Himself strong in the behalf of somebody whose heart is perfect toward Him. And I know we've got multiple churches represented here tonight, and here's what you ought to want. You ought to want God to show Himself strong on your behalf. I don't care what the administration says. I don't care what the governor dictates. I don't care what the counties, you know, man, they render and say, here's what you got to do. God can show Himself strong on our behalf if our heart is perfect toward Him. And that's what we need tonight. Some Christians that say, God, I want you to show yourself strong through this church, through Calvary Road. Hey, uh, listen, through Victory and through all these churches represented in the surrounding counties and areas, I want God to do that for us. But my heart needs to be what it needs to be and where it needs to be with Him. I want God to show Himself strong through me as a dad, as a husband, hey, as a leader. I want Him to show Himself strong through my life. But we're done. We're done in this conclusion. Ezra, can I use you on the piano if you just come? That's all right. Let me say finally tonight a word about this. I want you to consider in this story there's a sad tragedy. Because the Bible says in verse 9, Henceforth, herein, thou hast done foolishly. And he said this, just play softly if you would. He said, therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. You know, Hannah and I told Asa, he said, God, because you didn't give God a chance to come through for you and do what He wanted to, he said, you're going to deal with some things. Notice, if you have your Bibles open, verse 10, notice the leadership that he leveraged. Asa was wroth with a seer, and the Bible says he put him in prison. He was in a rage, and the first thing he did was that he oppressed the people that were trying to help him. He took out vengeance, if you will, against this individual. The one that tried to preach the Word of God, he leveraged leadership to destroy this guy. And if you're not careful tonight, there's some folks, hey, look, there's some people, and you hear the Word of God preached, hey, some of you got moms and dads that love you and they try and help you, and you think, I don't understand that, and oh, why this and why that, and sometimes in church, all the preacher ever does is yell at us, and all, you know, uh, and you think, I got this figured out. And he said, hey man, just go. And he, he leveraged leadership to remove this voice out of his life that he did not like. Wait, one that had his best interest in mind is the one he's trying to hurt. And tonight, 
the one that loves you the most, that wants to help you, some of you just push him away or push them away and say, I don't, I don't know about that. Oftentimes it's the sweet spirit of God who's trying to work in your life and your heart. And we often resist. And I want you to notice in verse 12, the Bible says this, and Asa in the 30 and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet. And yet in his disease, watch this, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. You know what his, you know what the legacy, the, the leadership that he leveraged was against the voice. But the legacy that he left was this, preachers, that in his death, he failed to trust God. You know, I don't want the last thing that's ever said about my life was this. That he failed, hey, that he failed to trust the Lord. That in the, in the days of the darkest hours, he failed to trust God, and that's how he died. What a testimony, and what a legacy to leave behind. Oh my. Well, some people have such good starts. I mean, they're living for God, and things are going well. But Asa found himself threatened. And so he took matters into his own hands and he dies with the epitaph on his tombstone that says he failed to trust God. Tonight, don't let that be the case. You can trust Jesus tonight for whatever it is you're facing. And I didn't come here to say that, but the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart and I feel like somebody needs to hear that tonight. You can trust the Lord. And if you will, that God can do something magnificent on our behalf. I'll close with this. There's an artist by the name of Claude Monet. Now, I like, I, I have art appreciation about like I have grass growing appreciation. I hate both of them. I don't care for either one. Watching grass grow and appreciating art are one and the same for me. I have no interest whatsoever. But this guy produced some priceless, impressionistic paintings. I want you to listen to this. One of the most famous works sold in New York City in 2012 for $43 million. Now, how many of you wish you could put paint to paper and sell it for $43 million? I'm going to say that'd be a good day. It really would be. But it was impressionistic, so if you knew anything about the works, it wasn't what you thought. As a matter of fact, they said this. When you looked at it, he, this was his intention, and this was his genius. Was when you looked at it up close, it looked chaotic, disordered, and a mess. It looked like he just took a brush and just stroked the canvas, and I mean, mindlessly tried to put a picture together. But here was the genius behind that thing. They said the further you step back from Monet's painting, because of the impressionistic work, the further you step back, the clearer the picture begins to come into view. And they said, looking right up at it, all you could see was chaos. But as you stepped away from it and got the fuller picture, it turned into a masterpiece. And sometimes all we see in this life is the chaos right here in front of us. For me this morning, it was chaotic. Because, Lord, what am I going to do? And God said, I'm going to have a guy send you a check and give you three times as much money as you thought you needed to settle you down. And he just helped. And that's what God sometimes wants to do. Sometimes God wants to take us and pull us away from the painting and say, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Because sometimes all I can see is this right up close. 
I'm going to tell you, right up close is ugly sometimes. Right up close is messy sometimes. And sometimes I see people right up close and I want to strangle them. All right, that was an honest admission. I'm sorry to tell you that. But sometimes, well, you get pushed to your limits. And, and I have to say, Lord, help me understand what's happening. And God takes me back and says, listen, here's what I'm doing. Here's the big picture if you'll just trust me. Tonight, as we conclude, can I say something to you? You can trust the Lord. And if you will tonight, God can show Himself strong on your behalf. God can show Himself strong on the behalf of this place. Hey, He's still the same God. I know it feels like it's slipping away and we're losing everything we've ever had here in America. But I'm going to tell you, God can still work in these last days. He's not done and He's not dead. And He never will be. But tonight, He could, listen, He could flex His muscles in our life spiritually if we'd have a heart that would trust Him. Hey, you can trust Him tonight for whatever need that you have. Let me ask you, have you struggled in that area lately? Have there been things in your life, in your church, in your family that you thought, God, I may just take this in my own hands tonight. Could I just caution you against that? Could I caution you to rest on His Word and trust in His promises? Because He's got a plan in mind. I wonder if you'd stand tonight all over the house with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe tonight you're like Asa and God wants to get in your life and go in some of the side doors and some of the back rooms and He wants to begin to investigate the things in your life that are not, not clean and not right. Maybe tonight to start this revival, some of you ought to find a place on this altar and say, God, I give you access and permission to go through every room in my life. Search me, oh God. Try me, and if there's any unclean way, would you get it out of me? Some of us ought to come tonight and say, God, help my heart to be what you want it to be. Help me to trust you so that you can show yourself strong on our behalf once again. Would you come tonight, Father, in Jesus' name? I pray that you'd help us to trust you. Help us in these last days not to take life into our own hands. Help us not to die with the legacy that we failed to trust you in the end days. Help us to trust you like never before. In Jesus' name, bless this invitation. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.